0: Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Jonah, and I'm coming to you from Macomb, Michigan. Honestly, the scariest part of this podcast for me as a recorder is the beginning. I don't know what to say at the beginning. I always feel really awkward with these introductions. And so, hey, just welcome. You're here. You're listening or watching this. No matter where you are listening or watching this, whether you're on Spotify, Facebook, iTunes, Google, um, I don't know what else I said, YouTube, um, just thank you for taking time to be a part of this. It's an honor that you are here. We didn't have a episode last week because it was Thanksgiving, and I was, uh, I was away in Chicago with my family, with my brothers, um, had a great time with them, but I am so pumped for what the Lord wants to do today. So let's pray, and we'll jump into today's episode. All right. Lord God, just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that as I'm speaking right now, that you are just as real as you were yesterday and how real you will be tomorrow. That there is nothing that can take away who you are. There's nothing that can rob you from who you are. But Lord, we are just coming to you realizing that we are frail, that we are broken, that we are needy, we are dependent upon you. And on our own, Lord, we are empty. So Lord, we just seek you. We want you to fill us with knowledge of you, with truth, with a joy and a peace that goes beyond our understanding, beyond our years, beyond our experience. Lord, we want to look to you. We want for your word to to produce a work and wonder within our lives, within our heart that is genuine. And it just fans the flame of a passionate pursuit after you knowing that we can have an intimate relationship with you through what you have done for us on the cross. And so, Jesus, we look to you, the author and the perfecter of this faith that we hold, this faith that we just want and and, and beg for you to grow. So we need you, Lord. Have your will and way in me as a speaker and have your will and way in those that are listening today. We need you. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. So as I said earlier, this is the week right after Thanksgiving, and so I pray that you had a great Thanksgiving. For the first time ever, I was able to share time with all of my brothers, my three other brothers, apart from my parents, from our parents. We all met in Chicago, and uh, we just had a great time, but it was just very precious to be able to have time with our youngest, Anton. Anton who's 16 as of me recording this episode. And and it was just a very sweet time, and I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunity for him to be able to fly up from South Carolina to share this time with us. So as I'm traveling on the way down to meet my brother at the airport, which is uh, a little past Detroit, and it's about a 45-minute drive from where I currently live, as I was traveling down there, I got a message from my brother that the plane did land, but it landed a little earlier. Now, I was already on time to to get there on time, but because it got there earlier, that's fine. He might have to wait a little bit. But then he proceeds to tell me that not only did his plane get there early, but his phone, the only source of communication that I had with my brother at this time was his cell phone. But that his cell phone was about to die. His battery was about to be depleted. And so that's fine. I know for me, whenever my cell phone is, is about to die, when it's low on battery, that I have a little bit of a window before it actually does deplete, where I can actually do the things that I need to do before the battery dies. But Anton proceeded to tell me that not only was it about to die, but that his phone was at 1%. 1%. And so immediately I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what, what do I need to tell him? What do we need to talk about in order to ensure that I can meet up with him even if his phone dies? Because right now it's not looking good. His, his, his battery is low. What do I need to tell him? What are the crucial foundational things that I need to tell my brother before it, it, it stops? And so Anton is doing exactly what I'm thinking about, and he's he's texting me about where he's at, and and I'm texting him, and and I, I'm trying to tell him like, okay, 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 um, meet me at Gate D, because Gate D, I I know from what your from what your boarding pass and, and your schedule it says it says that you're going to be picking up your your luggage around this area, so just meet me outside the door there. And Anton proceeded on sending me real quick a, a, a kind of a, a bing of where he was uh, GPS-wise. And so I had a little picture on the map of where he was. I, I told him, get, gate D, um, he told me that he was just going to be outside of those doors. So so I had all the information I needed that regardless of what happened to his phone, that we were okay. I was thinking about that urgency that comes through that 1% moment. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure there's many times in your life that you can think of those 1% moments, that it was down to the wire and, and there had to be some, some critical and crucial conversation that needed to happen in order to ensure that, that, that something happened, that something played out. There's certain times in our lives where we have those 1% moments where we just need to get through the fluff and get directly to what we need to talk about. That, that the moment right now isn't the time for jokes, the time right now isn't the moment just to have shallow uh, conversation, but it's just to boil it down to what do I need to know? What do I need to know? What needs to be communicated? My, my thoughts and, and my heart goes towards the, the reality that I know that within our society today, that there is many given up on life because they no longer have that 1% but they're done and they've they've believed a lie that is so easy for us to believe and that I have believed at times but but we at times can believe that lie within that narrow window of 1% we can believe the lie that our life is worthless that it is better that we are not here have you ever felt that have you ever had a, had that moment where you where you start to believe within that urgency, maybe, maybe there's some anxiety or pressure or just depression that is going on within your heart or, or within your loved one's heart. And, and there's just that, that moment where you believe that lie, that my life has no meaning. So in this episode, I'm talking to the 1%, those that feel like they're down on 1%. And you're hanging on by a thread and you're just saying, look, tell me, why am I here? I'll tell you very plainly that there is an answer to that question. But may we have open hearts to accept that answer. I don't want to sugarcoat what you're going through. I don't want to waste this opportunity that we have. So, so I pray that, that in this moment that we have, that you would just have an open heart to, to seek our creator, savior, sustainer, even though there's 1% left. And I am a firm believer that the scripture has an answer to that question that you have in this 1% moment. My attention goes to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, and Paul right now is writing to the Corinthian church, which is in a lot of hostility, a lot of conflict right now. They're fighting amongst each other. There's a lot of um, character issues going on. There's a lot of sin issues going on. And there's just a lot of hostility towards one another and them towards Paul and them towards ultimately their creator, savior, sustainer. And so they are rebelling against a lot of the same things that they once embraced. And so now Paul has this moment where he's just trying to get through. He has a little window of a time through a letter to hopefully his 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 prayer and his heart is to reach to the Corinthian church and try to help them see that this is not the way that it has to be. And so he has a small little window and and he's writing this letter. And in chapter two, he says this, and I want to read this to you as we're talking about this one percent, this one percent moment where where you have only a little sliver to accept something or to give something. And and this is what Paul chooses. To sum up everything that he is after, and he sums it up to this. He says this. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided when I was with you, I would forget everything else except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you will trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. What stands out to me in this, that, that Paul makes it very clear that in this 1% moment that he had with the Corinthian church. He may not have another opportunity, but he says, look, when I came to you, the first thing on my mind and the only thing on my mind was Jesus and the reality that Jesus is who he says that he is. And Jesus did what we could not do. He says that I, I only had Jesus, the one that was crucified on my mind. And that was the only thing that I wanted to communicate. I wanted to communicate the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of this man named Jesus. Because ultimately, this man is the fulfillment of everything that my, uh, my persuasive speeches or my elegant speeches could, could ever do. That this man ha- holds enough power on its own that instead of me relying on my own craftiness to speak to you, I relied instead on his spirit. The spirit of this man named Jesus, the same spirit that rose him from the dead, that now dwells in me. I relied on his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in order to make this message come alive within you. And likewise, when I think about what does this podcast, what does the message of my heart and what ultimately do I feel like is the message of the scripture what it comes down to is that this life has not been given to us for us just to have a good time or for us to feel good but your life has been given to you because you have a creator that created you with a purpose and that in order for you to know that purpose, you have to lean upon him and you have to call upon him. You have to look to him to be the source of the purpose that he has given you to have. If there's one word that Paul would communicate to you in this small window that we have of this 1% before this window closes, what, what the one word that Paul would say is Jesus. And likewise, that is the one word that sums up everything, everything that I can ever try to speak to you. Jesus, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Paul tells the Corinthian church that, that the time that I had with you, it wasn't a time for me to come to you and try to you know, convince you of, of how awesome I am. But Paul says, no, no, no. The time that I had with you, it was it, what the, the main purpose, the main crux of the time I had with you was to communicate this one name to you and to help you see that Jesus is God and that Jesus is alive and living and active and per- pursuing after you and me. In that short, quick conversation I had with my brother over a 1% charge on his phone, over that 1%, We were able to communicate effectively in order to ensure that we would meet. So often we live this short life that we have, and we take for granted the fact that we are not an accident, that you are not an accident, that I am not an accident, that there's a creator that created us all with a purpose. And a good creator doesn't just let us try to figure out that purpose on our own. But a good creator will take pride in his creation and, and make that purpose known. Not only make that purpose known, but make that purpose known clearly. Heavy heart, we have been created with a purpose. You have been created with a purpose. And in order to know that purpose, we have to know our creator. And we can only know our creator through the person and through the Savior that Jesus is another verse that shares this one percent mindset that stands out to me is hebrews chapter 12 and the author of hebrews he, he goes through all of the old testament and he and he tells about how jesus is the fulfillment of everything everything that has happened and he and he goes on to say this he says after everything i've said he says this Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What stands out to me is that the the Greek of the word that we get the phrase, fix our eyes, afference, what, what stands out to me is that it's a present active participle. And to break that down, it's it's present. It's something that is that happens. That it's happening. It's an ongoing action. Fixing our eyes. It's it's not something that we once did. It's something that we are presently doing. That the author of that that is writing this right now in the book of Hebrews. He's saying, look, actively fixing, actively looking, actively, actively. It's an action. It's a present active. It's an action. It's a participle. As we are fixing, as we are looking, but breaking it down even more, it's it's not just looking at something, but it's turning away from something in order to look at something. So the author is saying, as we look away from the things that we once were looking at, and now we look to this. So it's taking, it's, it's, it's a head swivel from once looking at something to saying, okay, look, there is so much more than that. In those 1% moments of our life, we take the attention off the things that really don't matter and put it on what does. That's what the author of this, this verse is saying. He's saying, therefore, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we are taking our eyes off the things that don't matter. Why? We have 1%. We have a little life to live, we have a little bit of time. There's an urgency behind us fixing our eyes upon Jesus. Not an urgency that is flippant, but an urgency of saying, okay, look, no longer am I taking my time on this, but I instead am placing it on that. And that being Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So looking away from in order to see very distinctly So the author is saying, as we fix our eyes upon Jesus, as we look away from what was, and we look on what is, and that what is is Jesus, as we look away, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It, It links joy to a torture device the author is saying look okay jesus being before his death he had a joy and the question to me in this 1% time that we have is where was that joy why was there joy if i if i had just that 1% left i had the, the last day of my life would there be a joy would there be a joy but for jesus there was a joy and we look in this verse, we, we see the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down in the right hand of God. The joy, joy, where is that joy? It was like he was standing before this joy that was there as he was standing before the cross. So we break it down. What is the cross? Why is the cross important? Why is there a joy in the cross? What we know is that through Jesus on the cross, taking our sin, our punishment, that there's freedom in that for you and for me. And there was a joy to our God, our creator, savior, and standard in that moment, because he knew that no longer was death, was our sin going to have the final word, but instead that he would be victorious over that which once enslaved you and enslaved me, that our identity no longer had to be defined by our brokenness, but it could be defined by him, the savior, the victor, the joy that was set before him. He endured, he endured, he endured, he endured. So he, he overcame the cross. He overcame that sin. So not only was there joy in what he accomplished on the cross, But he endured the cross. He endured the death. And one of the translations of this is that there is a perseverance over that death, that sin that once enslaved humanity. And and what stands out to me is this. Don't miss this. May we not miss this. And this 1% that we have, if you're running on empty, if you feel just hurt and broken and you're in chaos and you're, you're just saying, okay, what is the reason that I'm alive? Take heart. Why? Because Jesus endured. He persevered. He persevered. Heavy heart. You may feel so defeated because you realize that you can't persevere this which is before you. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's, a, it's toxic thoughts or emotions. Maybe it's, maybe it's the thoughts of suicide or the thoughts of self-harm or, or doubt or confusion or, or just worthlessness. No matter whatever that is, remember that when you can't persevere, Jesus did. Jesus did. That changes everything. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He is the perfecter. He is the perfector of what we cannot perfect. When we beat ourselves up over and over and over again, those moments where we just feel like the purpose of our life is depleted to the point that we are hanging on by a thread, heavy heart, Jesus endured, Jesus persevered. And through Jesus, we can endure through Jesus. We persevere because no longer are we identified by self, but we are identified by the Savior. Paul says, look, when I came to you, I came not with a, a message of anything else, but Jesus. This is a small window of time that we have. Will we take a moment to daily focus on that which matters? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Instead for us living life flippantly as if we have all the time in the world, as if we have all the energy in the world, as if we have all of the the whatever it is. What if we live life with that urgency of that 1%? Look, what in my life has to go? What in my life is getting in the way of what really matters, which is Jesus, which is Jesus. What matters is fixing our eyes upon Jesus, not just knowing about Jesus, That truth will only set you free when you choose to let that be what guides your life. Truth will set you free when you embrace it as what it is, truth. And when we look to Jesus, knowing about Jesus doesn't do anything Unless we choose to see Jesus as who he is, he is Lord, he is King, he is victorious, he is the perfecter, he is the perfecter, he is the perfecter, he is King, he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings, he is the Alpha and the Omega, he is the beginning and the end, he is everything that we are longing for, he is everything that we are searching for, he is the answer, he is the solution, he is not just a crutch, he is not just what we turn to in order to help us cope but instead he is the medicine, he is the cure. He is the all in all, he is the I am. And when we see him as I am, we realize that we are not And there is freedom in that surrender because no longer are we looking to ourselves to be the author and perfecter of this life that we have been given, this time that we've been given, or this faith that we have. But we are looking to the author and perfecter of our faith, the living person of God, who is Christ, who is Jesus. We are looking at him no longer as just a dead concept but we are looking at it as the living savior that is actively in pursuit after you and my heart. That he is living and active, that his word has power. His word has the ability to, to cut through all of the fluff that we build our lives upon. That through his word, we can know him. And through his word, we, we just fan the flame of the passionate relationship that we have with the person of Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross so that we don't have to live through that, that, that brokenness that wants to find us. Heavy heart, heavy heart. With this 1% that we have, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. The question to you and, and the question to myself as well is, is what are we trying to fill that 1% of our life with? That 1% phone call, that 1% text message, what are we trying to fill it with? Because if it's not Jesus, we're not going to end up. We're not going to end up reconciled to the God that we, we long for to be reconciled to. The reality is because is Jesus is the only one that has the answer to the sin that we hold. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the question is, what, what, what helps us reconcile back to the glory of God? Because we have sinned, but there's the glory of God, and we want the glory of God. We want to get back to that intimate fellowship with God. But the answer is Jesus there's a quote from a pastor that I follow. His name is Judah Smith. He pastors a church in Seattle. And, and he was recently talking about this, this moment in the book of Acts that right after Jesus died on the cross, the disciples, the followers of Christ were very discouraged because this person who claimed to be the, claimed to be the bread of life, the Messiah, the deliverer, the one that would deliver them from their bondage of their sin and death, He's, he's dead. And they're, they're sitting in a room together and they're, they're fearful. They're scared. They're scared because what happened to Jesus is about to happen to them. And, and now their whole life has been given over to this man named Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah. And now all hope is lost. And, and what the pastor, that what Judah Smith is saying, he, he says this, all passion is gone from the early church until the person arrived. In the book of Acts, we see that the moment that Jesus returned, that they saw that Jesus overcame the grave, that the passion returned. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, may Jesus be what fulfills us in this 1% of time that we have left. May there be an urgency within us to get to know Jesus, to surrender who we are to Jesus, knowing that all we are It's all Jesus. Our identities is not what we can do. Our identities is not in what we have done. Our identities is in the one who created us and the length that he goes to possess us once again, to take ownership over us once again. We were lost, but through Jesus, we are found heavy heart. May there be an encouragement within you today to pursue after Jesus. May we pursue after Jesus knowing that there's an urgency behind that that desire and that pursuit after the one who pursued after us with everything. That he gave his life in order for us to know that he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be followed. He is worthy to be surrendered to. That we can trust our God We can trust our God when everything else will fail us. We can trust our God that he is the one that will reconcile us back to our hearts long for you were created with such a far greater plan and purpose than anything this world can offer. Heavy heart. There's hope. There's joy. There's life through a heart and a life surrendered to Jesus. Let us pray. Lord God, forgive me for all the wasted time that I've had this year. Forgive us for all the wasted time that we've had. Help us live life to know you and to make you known. Jesus, we need you and we thank you and we praise you. Let our lives be an act of worship, starting with me. In your name we pray and we surrender, amen, amen. Heavy heart, no matter where you're at, the best of times and the worst of times, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. May we together fix our eyes, look away from what, what we were looking at. Instead, look to Jesus every day, renew our attention, in our worship, and our adoration upon Jesus. Let us look to the author and the perfecter of this faith that's so fragile at times. Let it be unbreakable. Why? Because we are looking to the one who is. Heavy heart, rest easy. I pray you have a great day, a great week. May we take this time that we have left of this year and worship the Lord with it. And may it just be a ramp into whatever else time that we have left on this earth. God bless you. You have a great day. I'll talk to you later. See ya.